somebody i don't we don't know who who calls himself a proud hindustani told me on social media that i, I was going the gauri lankesh way now that's a clear death threat i a lot of other people also got very upset i reported to the police and as has become the usual practice with the delhi police they took take no action they done nothing well you know i get uh, death threats and rape threats numbering the dozens every week it's really gone up after the uh, rss award because i think they feel very outed you know internationally by what kind of stuff they're doing after the special i spoke at the unesco in paris there was a sudden upsurge in proud nationalists attacking me and threatening me you know grievous bodily harm i mean i think it's idiotic because uh, you know sending a death threat in their view maybe like the ultimate censorship but uh, i wish you know the government in power and the party in power would stop this kind of nonsense it became quite an international headline because there was this uh, handle i think and suspected by the police which is managed by the ruling party which is slandering and defaming me i registered prior that uh, coward per- cowardly person deleted his handle uh, tweet because it was such a it was a handle which is you know slandering and defaming a lot of journalists uh, surprisingly who were all uh, you know writing stories to expose the government they were the kind of people being attacked and uh, twitter actually gave the delhi police the ip address after which it should have been you know uh very easy to track down and arrest the person because what he was doing was uh, uh you know contravening various sections of the ipc was talking harassing me uh, transmitting obscene material over the wires and so on and so forth but despite having the ip address and despite the fact that i actually went in for a statement for a magistrate the police have this four and a half years have not done anything at all We all know that women deal with violence on a daily basis. Even if we think that it doesn't happen to us, we know it happens to someone. I'm Amiya Nagarajan and this is Hear Me Too, a podcast that explores the extent of violence against women in India, urban and rural, and the second and third level effects it has on our society and economy. I'm working in collaboration with UN Women as part of the 16 Days of Activism movement for 2018. So far on the podcast we've looked at a broader and more useful understanding of what violence is what kinds of violence women face at home at work and in public spaces today we turn to a new but vital space the internet what kind of violence do women experience online what forms does it take what does it do to them and of course what can they do about it the internet is an incredibly powerful thing It allows you to sail over insurmountable barriers. It gives you access to information and dreams. It enables you to actively participate in public life. But much like life on the ground in India, it can be abusive and traumatic for women and minorities. The internet lets you express your opinion to the world, but it also allows the world to turn on you and attack you for that opinion or your gender, your caste, your religion. You know, it just goes on and on. it leaves people feeling vulnerable and exposed and you know unwilling to engage with the internet why would you after you've received that kind of abuse one analysis of tweets received by women journalists found that one of them got 3020 abusive messages in one week and another got 2582 that's in one week 
The National Crime Records Bureau shows that there's been a rise in the number of cyber crimes reported from 9,622 in 2014 to 12,317 in 2016. A very large number of these victims tend to be women, especially women who express opinions about political issues. And the violence that they face is almost always sexual. Rape threats, calling them sluts, or worse, reinforcing vicious gender stereotypes. Here's Swati Chaturvedi, the journalist who wrote the eye-opening book, I Am a Troll, about the troll factories in India. Most women journalists, as it's on me, you know, my colleagues, uh, we get very awful sexist uh, rape threat kind of abuse. And I think all of us have faced virulent rape threats, uh, awful uh, pictures are sent to us in DM and... You know, they've shared out our numbers on their WhatsApp group. So the thing is that they kind of blood sport to, you know, abuse us and make, uh, uh, you know, threats uh, of a very sexual nature. Exactly the same kind of way that women are uh, harassed in the streets of India. The streets of India are not safe for women and neither is the online space because, uh, you know, getting a barrage of rape threats uh, on a daily basis is something that I think no journalist, no woman, frankly, no one should have to go through. Swati is not the only one, of course. Most of our prominent women journalists have faced this problem, as well as pretty much any woman who appears to speak against the conservative and patriarchal establishment, from Shaila Rashid to Swara Bhaskar to you and me. A survey by Feminism in India found that nearly one-third of women who have been abused online began to speak out less. This means that a traditionally silenced group or a group that has struggled to get a voice to be heard has finally found a space where it can be heard and is greeted with such abuse that one-third of it backs off. I reached out to Japleen Pasricha of Feminism in India, who conducted the survey, to find out more. She told me that she had been commissioned by Freedom House to conduct the survey, and she sent a form to 500 women through social media. And then she conducted intensive interviews with 10 of them and analyzed the abuse received in 10 high-profile media cases. The larger trends that I saw in my survey were... um, most of the women did not uh, think that this kind of abuse and harassment is a form of violence. And they did not report it to either the police or the social media platform because they don't trust them. They did generously use the block option. uh, And they also said that uh, this has a deep impact on their mental health. And some even said that they suffered from issues like depression, stress and insomnia. The kind of abuse was actually quite varied. So we had the, you know, the usual social media abuse, which ranged from rape, death threats to uh, people saying things like, uh, you know, feminism is cancer, you are a feminazi, you are a man hater, etc. However, there were also cases of doxing and revenge porn where women, uh, you know, told me in the intensive interviews we did that someone had hacked into their phone or that their uh, numbers were and their you know uh, home addresses were put publicly without their consent and a couple of other women also shared stories of revenge porn where after an intimate relationship the ex-partners had uh, shared their pictures without their consent on the internet she tells me the story of a woman who met a guy on tinder she just wanted to get to know people and you know uh, find new friends and this guy also said the same thing because he was new in the city Uh, however that quickly escalated and the man started uh, stalking her and he also messaged uh, her friends and found her 
employer on her LinkedIn profile uh, to the extent that uh, this woman had to shift cities. Uh, and now she is not on any social media. She only has one anonymous Twitter account, and it was a very horrifying experience for her. My uh, colleague and reporter was uh, indirectly in touch with her for this article that we published, and uh, this was one of those. This was one of the horrifying stories where online, uh, you know, abuse and online uh, dating result- translated into stalking and. A real effect for the survivor where she had to literally change cities. A lot of women, especially in my report, said that uh, they have suffered from mental health issues uh, after experiencing online abuse. And I, as a, a person who has also experienced online abuse, can say the same that uh, it really does affect your mental health. Uh, and uh, you don't want to look at your phone or you want to delete uh, your social media and you want to go off the internet. So a lot of women reported that they have uh, suffered from depression, stress and insomnia and other women said that uh, they uh, self-censored themselves and they either changed the way that they talk about things or did not talk about uh, things that they usually did uh, which invited this kind of violence so not giving political statements and political opinions or religious opinions and some even went to the extent to deleting their prof- uh, profiles and going offline two things emerged from what Jeplin told me things that I heard over and over again first women the people who are subjected to this don't even think of it as violence second they pay a great emotional cost for it. My name is Dr. Devaruti Haldar. I'm the Honorary Managing Director for Center for Cyber Victim Counseling. The Center for Cyber Victim Counseling was set up in 2009. It's a sort of think tank, you know, and it looks at the trends of cyber crimes or, well, crimes online. It offers counseling to victims. It gives them access to resources and mediates for them with the authorities. I spoke to Deba Brathe about what kind of abuse women face and what it does to them. At this center, I receive different types of cases from women. These are ranging from creation of fake profiles to cyber stalking, cyber bullying, trolling, cases of revenge porn, non-consensual porn, unauthorized access to digital data, doxing, sextortion, online defamation, etc. Such types of cyber victimization may leave deep psychological impact on women. They may feel threatened, abused, and may even be compelled to take irrational coping strategies like committing suicide, contacting hackers, etc. It causes damage to the reputation uh, of the women. Uh, They may also lose their job. And in, in, in India, this may also cause an impact on the woman's marriage and also on the reputation of her children. Setting aside the repercussions, like a damaged reputation, that themselves come from problematic social norms, it's clear that the problem is grave and currently not taken very seriously, not even by the people who suffer it. But what can we do about it? What can a person subjected to online abuse do about it? Swati's experience seems to indicate that nothing will happen, even with the police. Japlin told me some more about this. In my report, I found out that most of the women do not report it either to the police or to the social media platform. It also depends on the gravity of the crime, of the abuse. 
uh, and women uh, prefer not to report because as i said before they do not uh, trust the social media platform and the law enforcement because they think that nothing will happen and in their previous experience of reporting uh, content to facebook twitter etc they have found that it does not violate their guidelines and then they choose not to report however they do frequently use the block button and block the abusers and harassers and or trolls i went in search of a lawyer so i could find out what the law is on the subject of online abuse i'm satyajit sarna i'm a lawyer in delhi and i'm a litigation uh, lawyer which means i'm an advocate i go to court i'm really interested in issues of um public interest especially free speech and uh, the access to information for people so sexual harassment online i would say is dealt with by the indian penal code which is one of our oldest laws in its current form and the information technology act which is a much more modern law so um both of them have a bearing on the online sexual harassment of women we actually do have a couple of uh, provisions in our criminal laws which deal with things like that so physical stalking is covered by the ipc uh sending people messages which are offensive or obscene repeatedly or even one time is again something which is covered by our criminal law so the idea being that if you you know send someone something they don't want to see which is obscene in nature and has the potential to cause them uh serious discomfort or harm psychologically depending on where they are the law does meet that standard i asked him if this covered the um, very intimate photos some men like to send women unasked sending somebody so to speak uh, an obscene picture of a private area is something that the law would take care of. Okay, cool. I asked him about social media and more specifically cases like Swati's where someone is threatened with rape. To a large extent that is a question about community standards. So I would say trolling within a certain level of uh, offensiveness or criminal intent would fall into a, a question of community standards what is tolerated by Twitter or Facebook or Instagram admins. um and they have their own standards they have human monitored um you, you know uh determinations of whether something is is so offensive as to fall outside their own standard and and that's for them to dis- also to um you know administer even though if you look at what a twitter or the facebook is in today's day and age they they do have memberships so wide as to pretty much constitute public spaces intimidation is a, is a crime if i were to you know uh, confront you in such a way and say i am definitely going to come to your house and beat you up that is unless you pay me so and so or such and such amount of money or or do such and such thing so that's criminal intimidation it's the same if it happens online such at its point when it comes to threats as in threats of grievous harm even if done online they count as threats and are treated as such under the law they are criminal intimidation and they can and should be pursued as such when it comes to sending images and or sexually explicit content the intent is immaterial the content alone runs afoul of the law but this is where we run up against the same hurdle that is on every path to freeing women from violence in india prosecuting these problems making a complaint getting the authorities to act on it 
This is practically impossible for most women. The system doesn't enable it. You could even say that the system actively disempowers it. Social norms and structures make it okay to do this kind of thing. The thought process is basically, I mean, if she sent a new to her boyfriend, she's obviously a loose woman and she deserves to be harassed. Or if she dares to question the rightness of what I say, well, obviously she deserves what she gets. And this is the kind of thinking that really just has to go, both online and offline. Next week, we look at the violence that women face when they're left on the margins, by caste, by class, by migration, by religion, by ability, or whatever other aspect of their identity intersects with their gender. I'm Amea, and this is Hear Me Too from Express Audio and UN Women India. If you like the show, please do subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Express Podcasts. Or if you prefer email, you can write to us at podcasts at indianexpress.com. Thank you for listening.